Welcome in to episode number six of the Eyes on Texas Multicast. Uh, I'm Aaron Hogan along with Mike Craven. It's the Republic of Football Podcast Network on Dave Campbell's Texas Football Network and on the Horn flagship in Austin, Texas. That would be 1049 The Horn, AM 1260, and hornfm.com is where you're going to find that. We are broadcasting live overlooking beautiful downtown Austin on a Monday afternoon after the Longhorns played their spring game this past weekend to wrap up spring practice, and we're talking about it for the next hour. Uh, it is the multicast that is not afraid to talk about the big conversations, the big topics, uh, and understands that the University of Texas will not be entrusted to the timid or the weak as we get you rolling here. He is Mike Craven, a lifetime Austinite, raised in the Texas football locker room with his grandfather, Dr. Craven, uh, back in the day. I'm Aaron Hogan, 33 years here in Austin, Texas, 25 years a fixture on morning radio here in the ATX, covered the good times and the bad times of the Texas Longhorns, and it feels like, Mike, the good times might be coming back here after what we saw on Saturday at the spring game. We're going to talk about it in earnest, but uh, as we get this thing cranking up, uh, what were your overall first impressions of seeing the Longhorns wrap up their six weeks of spring? First off, it, it looked like there's plenty of toys in the toy shop, right? Like yeah. you just look around there, and the wide receiver positions loaded, tight end positions loaded. The running backs looked really good. We'll talk about Jaden Blue and some of those guys as well. You know, defensively, plenty of talent to go around. Anthony Hill, you know, already making an impact as a pass rusher. And that's my second point: the young guys look like they belong. You know, from Jonte Cook to Anthony Hill uh, to a couple other players on defense, like they all looked like they were going to be playmakers. And and uh, we're seeing fewer and fewer guys that don't look like SEC football players, and that's a good thing for Texas. It's a busy hour, busy show, uh, and, and episode. We've got a lot to do. We're going to, as you've, if you've listened to episodes one through five, we break our multicast into four quarters like a football game. We'll also have a halftime segment coming up, uh, and we'll go quarter by quarter. First quarter will be about what Mike just talked about, a lot of toys in the toy chest, uh, multiple weapons, uh, and we'll play some highlights of what we saw on Saturday at DKR. Second quarter, we'll dive into the big conversation, the quarterbacks. Uh, Quinn Ewers threw for 195 yards, led three touchdown drives, threw a beautiful touchdown pass to uh, the newcomer, A.D. Mitchell, Donnie Mitchell, coming in from Georgia, won a couple national championships there. Now he's part of those that toy chest that Mike talked about. Uh, we'll take our halftime quick break, and then third quarter, we're going to talk about the offensive line and the defense. Uh, what are we seeing up front? And uh, you had some key guys that didn't participate in the spring game on Saturday, but, boy, still plenty of big bodies, the big humans that Texas talks about quite a bit, Kyle Flood and Steve Sarkeesian. We'll also talk about the defense. Is the pass rush improved? Just heard Mike talk about Anthony Hill, the five-star freshman from Denton Ryan. He was impactful. We'll talk defense, and we'll wrap things up with the you know the, the big picture conversations. What what's next for the Longhorns on the schedule? Uh, what are the key what 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 were the key takeaways for Steve Sarkeesian, and how good can this team be? Steve Sarkeesian was asked that pretty point blank uh, after the spring game on Saturday, and we'll hear his answer coming up here. That's in our fourth quarter to wrap things up. But uh, uh, he is Mike Craven, as we mentioned, uh, formerly of the Austin American Statesman rivals, but now at Dave Campbell's Texas Football, and man, that growing product with the Republic of Football podcast network uh how's uh, how's our podcast getting received i know we're up to 10 now we're up to 10 10, 10. Total podcasts at the, at the, at the yep. network meaning there are 13 division one schools in the state of texas you guys now have a podcast for all 10 including this one covering the texas longhorns the eyes on texas podcast up to 10 now and you'll be full bore at 13 by the time football starts we believe so we're only missing smu utep sam houston you know have some have some fishing hot lines in the water you know on those so so we're hoping we're at 13 by the time uh, the football season starts. We may even experiment with like conference-based ones, like a Big 12 podcast and stuff. So, you know, we're growing. Uh, it's magazine season right now, so I'm traversing across the state 
Uh, been to seven schools already. Go to three more this week. Uh, ended at Texas in two weeks. So uh, a busy time, but an exciting time. It is. I know we talked last week about your trips to Houston to see the Cougars and TCU. Baylor last week to see the Baylor Bears, uh, and I know you're going to uh, to go down to A&M this week, Sam Houston, and out to Lubbock to see Texas Tech, and we'll certainly be talking about those uh, visits on upcoming uh, podcasts and multicasts because they've uh, wrapped up their spring in large measure as well, like the Longhorns did on Saturday. Uh, if you're looking for us, I always like to uh, make sure you can find where we're at, of course, on YouTube. Um, boy, we're getting tons of views and watches on YouTube. We appreciate that at Dave Campbell's TF is where you're going to find it on YouTube and at the Horn in Austin's Twitter pages, or excuse me, YouTube page as well. On Twitter, we're at Eyes on Texas FB, Eyes on Texas FB, and on Instagram, Eyes on Texas Pod. Please share that with your friends. Uh, send it out when it comes in. Uh, if you watch it and enjoy it, certainly pass it along. We super um, pr- appreciate that as we grow this thing because uh, today, Mike, it's going to be a lot like a game week come the fall. There's a lot of highlights to talk about, a lot of developments. We get to actually see this team on Saturday. Uh, It was a beautiful day. I'll say uh, being there, we did a two-hour pregame on the Horn flagship here in town. Uh, It was kind of a cloudy, overcast morning, but it turned into a record-setting hot day. I mean, it was 94 degrees, which set a record set back in 1924 for April the 15th. It was really hot, and I, I see Sarkeesian mentioned it afterwards that, you know, it's probably good for our club. They, you know, that wasn't like, if they played it on Sunday because the temperature dropped 20 degrees into the 70s on Sunday, they got to feel it. I mean, those young guys that are brand new to the, to the program got to feel what it's like on that field on a 95-degree day. The humidity was up as well. Uh, probably a good thing for the newcomers. Plus, they got to play in front of a big crowd. I have not seen an estimate for the crowd, uh, but I've been to a many a spring game, Mike, and there were Gosh, the entire west side was packed. Uh, east side was probably three-fourths full, even in the sunshine. Um, I, I've, I've got a guess between forty and 50,000 fans showed up to see that game. It was free, and uh, they were entertained, I think it's fair to say, with the Longhorns. Let's start with some of the uh, the, the opening thoughts. You mentioned it was the, the toys in the toy box. Uh, my key takeaway was depth, and we're going to hear Sark talk about that. We talked about all through our first five episodes, depth on the field. This team was split in half, so you weren't playing with a full team. When they get their 12 more freshman players rolling in here for the spring, they've got a transfer portal player that's committed today here on this Monday when we record our, our multicast. We'll tell you about coming up uh, in our halftime segment. Uh, but there is a new commitment coming in. When they get this full 85, Mike, there there is depth, toys in the closet, or as you said, toys in the toy box, uh, three quarterbacks that look like they're going to play on Sunday someday. Uh, that's not hyperbole, I don't believe. I think all three of the Texas quarterbacks have an opportunity to be professional quarterbacks. They're that talented. They're young, uh, but, but all three really good, throwing to really good weapons. So we're going to talk about that over the next hour. But depth uh, showed up, I think we saw, especially when, even when you're splitting the team. You couldn't watch that spring game and find where the hole is. Yeah. You know, you couldn't be like, oh, man, that one that one concerns me or this spot concerns me or they're going to have to go add a, a couple guys in the portal to make that position work. Uh, they can go add some guys in the portal to make the position group better, uh, but there's already guys there at defensive tackle, defensive end, every other spot uh, along the defense and the offense. And then at the skill positions, I mean, it looks like an NFL football team. You know, I mean, it looks like an all-star team, and and that's what they're recruiting it to be, and to see them all develop. All these guys get better every single time you see them. That hadn't been true in a long time. Well, let's show some video evidence of what Mike just said, and I agree with you, and we'll hear Sark talking about the playmakers. It was was his first comment 
uh, of the post-game interview was, uh, you know, this is what we want. We want to stress a defense with not one guy, not two guys, but you know, four, five, six guys uh, that can make explosive plays. Let's start with this one. Our, our digital producer, Nolan Hogan, who's uh, pushing the buttons here. Uh, here's Quinn Ewers to Xavier Worthy. This set up the first touchdown uh, for the white team, quarterbacked by Quinn Ewers. Uh, they won the game 21-10, to 10, if it matters, what the scoreboard was. But here was the first highlight. This was, uh, you know, after going three and out, and both, both orange and white punted on their first series. And then second series, Quinn Ewers really cranked it up. Uh, here was a beautiful throw to well, now wearing number one Longhorn Jr. to be receiver Xavier Worthy. Tell my receivers, man, you better get up because I'm throwing that ball. I need you to catch it. <laughs> Even in the spring game, Ewers going deep down the field. Worthy hangs on. Right, didn't the, throw was, the throw was nice, too. Throw was perfect. Uh, didn't, in stay, didn't stay in bounds, obviously, but uh, a couple plays later, actually on a fourth down play, uh, the, the, the freshman, C.J. Baxter, uh, you know, put it in the end zone and the white took a seven nothing lead early but the throw itself Xavier Worthy wearing number one I thought you know just with the naked eye watching Xavier looks great he's healthy with the hand and his <laughs> his, his ball get off Mike and his quick twitch he is you can't stay in front of the guy he is really really a special player and to get that little angle route and then back to the corner uh you know the post corner route and a great throw by Quinn yeah the two two healthy hands helps you know when you're not dealing with a broken hand that that's going to help um but what I'm excited for for Xavier this year is he he's got help around him. Yeah. You know, he's not going to get double triple teamed. You know, if they do, you're going to get crushed by AD Mitchell. You're going to get trussed by Jordan Whittington, Jatovian Sanders all the way down. And so, uh, he's going to see more matchups he's like and he's going to be used in a way that that benefits him. Uh, he was having to do so much last year. I think it was a little bit too much for him. He gets to dial it back and just do what he do what he does best. See another highlight. This was the second touchdown for Team White. They scored all three of their twenty one points. All three touchdowns came in the first half. They played you know fifteen minute quarters with a running clock, except inside the final four minutes of each half. Uh, here was Jaden Blue. This is a player we haven't seen. There's kind of the uh, the enigma of Jaden Blue. He didn't play his senior year of high school. He kind of opted out and was going to come to Texas. He's the number one running back and enrolled early. We didn't see him much last year. Uh, and he didn't play in the bowl game. You know, when, when you know, B. John Robinson and Roshan Johnson both elected not to play in the Alamo Bowl, we thought we would see Jaden Blue. Uh, we did not. Uh, here's a touchdown run, though. Watch this uh, uh, piece of work from Jaden, where number 23. And Ford, a huge part of that. Less than five to play in the first half. Blue with plenty of running room, sprinting through the defense. Yeah, I was up the middle, too. I think that's that's one of the things you got to like there. Uh, but he's always been really great in the, the open field. I mean, that's always been his calling card is, like, what he can do when he gets to that second level, and he's excellent. Yeah, the ad-lib runs. I mean, uh, you know, that was against a lot of third and fourth teamers, it felt like, was watching the tape on that. But, man, the the moves. And, and you know, when you said up the middle, well, that was later, that was, that was later in the second quarter. Uh, and, the, you know, when they spread the field and they've got the weapons you're talking about, it's going to open up some running lanes for sure for those running backs. And we didn't see Jonathan Brooks on Saturday. Uh, we didn't see Keelan Robinson. Jonathan Brooks, I think, was in there for just a brief minute. Keelan Robinson didn't participate, but it was really C.J. Baxter, uh, Savion Red, uh, the converted wide receiver, and then that throw, that run you saw there by Jaden Blue. Let's see one more quick play, and then we're here from Sark talking about the toys in his toy chest. Here is a, a beautiful touchdown pass right at the end of the half. They were running the two-minute drill at this point, uh, trying to get a touchdown on the board before the half against the Orange team. Here was a dart from Quinn Ewers to the Georgia transfer, Adani Mitchell. He's like the current college football version of Chris Carter's, like all he does is catch touchdowns thing. 
There it is. They stretch out the one-handed, a little bit of an elevated throw, but uh, Quinn threw it to where only his receiver could get it, knowing that Adonis Mitchell will go up and make that one-handed grab. Uh, Adonis was wearing the green jersey because he was dealing with a bit of an ankle injury. He was not touchable. You couldn't tackle Adonis, but he was out there and made plays. In addition to that touchdown catch you saw, uh, there was a big third-down catch that he caught on an early drive. Uh, he is an explosive player. Uh, and let's hear Steve Sarkeesian after this game talking about the playmakers and multiple players at that that can uh, create explosive plays. We saw them throughout the game in the running game uh, and in the passing game. Here's Coach Sark after the game. Um, and I thought we saw from an offensive perspective uh, playmaking ability from a variety of people, um, which is something that we were hoping to get to uh, as a team to where it wasn't just one or two guys creating explosive plays, but that – Hopefully, people are going to have to defend multiple people. And we saw that from, obviously, Xavier. We saw it from Jordan. We saw it from AD. We saw Jonte make a big play. We saw Jaden Blue in the open field. We saw Savion Red in the open field. Um, we know what JT Sanders can be. So I think on that front, DeAndre Moore, you know, I know he didn't make the one play, but came back and had another big play later. So I think that we, we've created a, a lot more versatility from an offensive perspective. A lot more versatility. That's a word we heard a lot, Mike. Versatility. Last year, as you mentioned, when Isaiah Nayer got hurt in August, it really put a lot of uh, spotlight on Xavier Worthy. Everyone knew he was the go-to guy. Uh, and, you know, they maybe forced that a little bit. And Jordan Whittington is another guy to mention because I thought he wearing number 13 now. Jordan has again changed his number. <laughs> he was, what, 21 when he got here. Then he's four. Now he's 20, he's 13. But uh, he's slimmed down. He's probably lost 15 pounds. He looks a lot quicker. And, boy, when he gets the ball in space, he's like a running back when he gets out into, into open space. Those three guys, plus you add Isaiah Nayer, plus we'll see Jonte Cook coming up on a beautiful touchdown catch he caught from, from Malik Murphy, the, the backup quarterback. Uh, this, is, you, you, this is hard to, to, if you're a defensive coordinator, what do we do? It's a math, math equation. You can only double one player. You can only add extra roll coverage to, to one guy. Well, that's going to leave Adonis Mitchell in single coverage. That's going to leave Jordan Whittington in a one-on-one -on -one matchup. Uh, that's going to leave an Isaiah Nayer or a JT Sanders in a one-on-one -on -one matchup. It's also going to open up running lanes because safeties have to play deep because of the deep threat, which Sark is always going to have as part of his offense. And, you know, it just it stresses the defense to where the quarterback's job becomes – you know, let's find the matchup. Which which one do we like best? We got our uh, one of our best players on your fourth cornerback or, or a safety. Uh, we're going to go there. And if you think back to 2019 when Sark was calling plays at Alabama, Mike, I mean, Mac Jones, that was his job. Find the open man. Find the matchup. And, you know, I think Quinn, yours is probably a little bit more talented of a throw at even Mac Jones. And uh, there's an opportunity there for Quinn to to kind of kind of know where he wants to go with the football based on the matchup that's in front of him. It should be easy pre-snap most of the time. You know, you're going to play some defenses that can match up with you, be athletic with you, and then maybe you have to get to your third, fourth progression. But most of the time, especially when you have uh, time, which you'll have behind a pretty good offensive line that has a lot of experience that we'll talk about later as well, you add those two things together, and there's not much that can stop this Texas offense on paper except for themselves. Yeah, they didn't turn the football over, either the orange or the white in the game. No balls on the ground, no interceptions. Obviously, we can talk about the defense coming up. They need to force more, but at the same time, it was clean. It was a clean game. There are only two penalties in the whole game. Uh, so those are the things you liked about it uh, from the Longhorns. A couple more from Sark here in our first quarter. Uh, we want to say hi to our sponsor as well of our first quarter. Here coming up, our underwriter and one of our founding partners here on the Eyes on Texas multicast. Let's hear Sark on the X-Man, Xavier Worthy. We're number one now. He saw, saw him catch the big pass. He had a nice game and uh, fully healthy and in a great state of mind, according to Sark, after the game. 
I think Xavier's in a great frame of mind. Um, you know, like I said, when we came back after the break, you know, he fought through an injury last season that a lot of people didn't know. Um, and he did never complain. He just continued to work. And I think that um, in his mind, he's thinking now that I'm healthy, you know, what could have been last year and now what can this year become, you know, coming in healthy and doing it the right way. So I think there's good rapport with he and Quinn. Um, I think his connection with his teammates is great. And at the end, I don't think that he can worry about trying to win people over. I think he has to worry about being the best version of himself. Uh, and in the end, that's good enough. And I think people will love that aspect about him. If you think about X-Man, uh, Mike, I mean, record-setting as a freshman with the touchdowns and just, you know, the best player on the field at times, along with B. John Robinson. Last year with the broken hand, um, you know, some drops. Maybe the body language wasn't great if he's playing through the injury and you know, kind of kind of got on the bad side of Texas fans. I think he can earn that back pretty quick because, uh, boy, he looked electric uh, in, in, the, in the game on Saturday. Uh, just quick, you know, he and Quinn have that great rapport. And then you got A.D. Mitchell on the other side and Jordan Whittington. He's going to see a lot of single coverage this year. Yeah, I mean, Xavier Worthy catches a couple touchdowns against Alabama, and Texas fans won't remember what 2022 is, yeah. you know. So, it, you know, it's a fickle group, right? All fans are, and he'll be fine if he produces. Uh, what I'm excited about is he gets to go back to doing what he does best, uh, and he doesn't have to be the complete wide receiver where he's having to go outside, inside, do everything for Texas. He gets to match up, kind of see what he does more as, as a freshman um, and it's called a sophomore slump for a reason, right? There's a phrase for it. It happens. And so uh, he, a lot was asked for him as a true freshman. There was a lot of tape on him. I think defenses guarded him in a different way, got more physical with him. And if there is one negative to Xavier Worthy's game is he's a skinny guy. He's not a big, strong dude. And so if you can get into his body uh, in the catch or in the route, you're going to have an advantage. I, I think they're going to be more creative and get to use him in different ways this year to avoid that. Let's wrap up our first quarter here on the Eyes on Texas multicast with Sark talking about Isaiah Nair. We didn't get to see him. Uh, but man, this this is another guy that's almost like, like a folk legend. Yeah, the folk legend. Yeah. He was, you know, came in from Wyoming, had a great summer last year, was having a great spring and or great August, and then the knee injury in the first scrimmage that they had missed the entire year, and I think it really did impact the Longhorn offense last year. Uh, didn't have that deep threat. We call him catch, saw him catch the touchdown in last year's spring game. Quinn throwing them bombs has became kind of the the, the phraseology. Well, here was Sark uh, saying, hey, don't forget about Isaiah Nair. We didn't see him, but uh, he's been participating, and he'll be back uh, and healthy come the fall. Transfer from Wyoming, we all had high hopes and aspirations for, got injured last year, has done a phenomenal job with his rehab, and he looks fantastic. You know, we held him out. You know, we just want to make sure he gets fully healthy, but he looks tremendous as well. So, um yeah, you're like you like the kid who gets a bunch of new toys at Christmas, and then you still have those other toys that you love playing with. And so now our job is to make sure that we craft an offense that allows all of those guys to to play to their potential and to do the things that they do really well. All right, so there you go. Those are your toys, right? A.D. Mitchell, uh, Xavier Worthy, uh, Isaiah Nayer, Jordan Whittington, and then Jatavion Sanders, who might be the best tight end uh, in the Big 12, one of the best in the country, who's just a mismatch problem to himself. And then uh, Jonte Cook's going to get on the field too. Yeah, yeah. well, when That's we talk dude. about the quarterbacks and Malik Murphy coming up, we'll talk about the catch, the touchdown catch he caught in the second half uh, when Malik Murphy hit him with a deep one. Uh, that'll be part of our quarterback conversation coming up in quarter number two. First quarter of the Eyes on Texas podcast uh, brought to you by our first and our, our, 
our uh, founding underwriter, our friend Carlos Carrion. He is the Texas mortgage guy. He's been doing this nearly a decade in the industry. He is tremendous. It's not going to be a hassle. He's right back to you. He can close a loan in, in up to 15 days. It's about the average right now for Carlos. And here's where you find him. He is a tremendous Longhorn fan. He's a lifelong Austinite, like I did. He went to St. Edwards, but he is a Longhorn fan. And again, almost a decade in the industry. And he's not just here to provide you with a quote on a mortgage or a refi. He wants to help you solve problems, strategize one then uh, one of the most important financial decisions you're going to make, whether it's a new home or a refi or a, a second home, whatever it might be. Make sure you go with our man Carlos, and you're going to love working with him, I promise you. And he's easy to find. It's the Texas Mortgage Guy. Uh, that's Carlos at the Texas Mortgage Guy. If you're emailing him, uh, Carlos at the Texas Mortgage Guy.com, or you can go to the website, the Texas Mortgage Guy.com. That's simple as well. And that's exactly what he is. You also find him on Instagram, and he's got a Facebook page. Uh, it is the Texas Mortgage Guy. Proud to have him as one of our great underwriters. And there are more to come here on the Eyes on Texas Multicast. We're only going to have a handful of, of, of underwriting sponsors. We're going to help us get this thing on the air every single week. We're really excited to have Carlos and his team there. TheTexasMortgageGuy.com. Carlos at TheTexasMortgageGuy.com. Really appreciate him. That's going to take us into our second quarter and uh, as we break this thing up into four. Uh, and that's going to lead us into the topic everybody wants to talk about. I do the morning show here in Austin, Texas, and have for a long, long time. It's all about quarterbacks. We've already gotten the... Malik's better than Quinn conversation going. Malik <laughs> is going to push Quinn, and that's a good thing. But at the end of the day, Quinn yours threw for 195 yards. He engineered three touchdown drives. Uh, there were times where the footwork wasn't perfect. There were times where you know maybe some of the old habits creep in. But you did see a, a player who seemed to be in full control of the offense, Mike. And then you know, they, you know people will talk about it as a controversy, but maybe the best thing we saw on Saturday was Malik Murphy who we haven't seen play yet. I mean, he came in, he's the same age as, as Quinn yours, uh, would have been in the same graduating class essentially from high school. But, of course, Quinn, Quinn reclassified and skipped his senior year at, at, uh, at uh, South, Oak, South Lake Carroll, went off to Ohio State, but they're really the same age. Malik got here last year in the spring and you know, was hurt, got hurt in the state championship game out in California, and uh, so didn't participate in the spring last year. This summer, Sark has revealed that they went through kind of a mechanic rebuild, rebuild of his throwing motion, thought his motion was too long, and they really needed to shorten that up. Uh, so we got to see him for the first time. End of the day, we saw two really good quarterbacks because uh, you know Malik ended up 9 of, six, nine of uh, 14 uh, and made some plays. When we talk about the quarterbacks, give me your overall impressions of what you saw from those two. And certainly, we'll talk about the Arch Manning conversation because that's more of a national conversation here in Austin and here locally. I think we realize, you know, he's he's behind these other guys. But what'd you make from the quarterback play on Saturday? Quinn did everything he needed to do. You know, he looked in control of the offense. He made some good throws. He didn't make a lot of mistakes. You know, that's what you wanted from him, right? Uh, I think the cool conversation is Malik. Because you're happy for him for finally getting back on the field and having success and kind of quieting some doubters. You know, he kind of got sandwiched between Ewers and Manning, and he gets pushed out of that conversation a lot. We assume he doesn't have much to say about it, and clearly he does. I think where the conversation gets fun, and maybe this is derailing what we were going to do, but I think where the conversation gets fun is how does Texas fend off some people that are going to come after seeing Malik Murphy play that well in the spring game. No. Like that's the new college football world, right? If you're Florida, you're watching that spring game, and you go, well, that's better than anything we have. Yeah. you know. And so uh, Texas is going to have to fend off some people. I mean, we can be grownups and, and know that that's happening behind the scenes where you know people are reaching out to other people and, and seeing you know maybe where he moves or if he's willing to do that. And then you know, lastly, 10 out of the 12 FBS teams in the state last year had to play their backup quarterback for more than two games. 
that's just the reality of football now. You're probably not going. The other one, the ones that didn't were Houston and, and uh, UTSA. Yeah. You know, you're if you're going to play Power Five football, you're going to get beat up. Like there's going to be some injuries, and so uh, you need a good backup quarterback to do what Texas wants to do next year, and that's compete for you know conference championship and maybe even a national one. Uh, agreed, 100. percent And the Longhorns have needed their backup quarterback every year except for 2019. In the last 12 seasons, they'd had to rely on their backup quarterback for at least part of a game or more games than one. Uh, including last year with Hudson Card having to step in for the injured Quinn Ewers in the Alabama game. Uh, let's see some highlights here of Quinn. This is a little bit of video montage that Nolan pulled off of Twitter of what we saw from Quinn, the QB1. All right, so here's Quinn with a, with a beautiful dart from the, uh, the pocket. That's the A.D. Mitchell touchdown. The good form, the quick release we see there, Mike, uh, just... Just you know, flicks the ball just flicks out of his wrist. Yeah, just flicks his wrist. I mean that, and that's why he was a five-star, you know, one thousand rated, you know, prospect or whatever. Like he throws the ball well. You know, he's going to have to figure out how to go through progressions and, and be good under pressure and be consistent and all that stuff that that goes into being a quarterback. Uh, but just from like talent and what he can do in a football field, I mean, you're not going to find many people that throw the ball better. Well, uh, you know, he was the number one quarterback in the nation for a reason before skipping his senior season. Longhorns hadn't got a commitment from the number one overall quarterback in the country since Vince Young uh, back in the early 2000s. He, of course, led the program to his highest heights, and now they've recruited two uh, since Steve Sarkeesian has been here uh, in Quinn Ewers and, uh, you know, Arch Manning, and obviously Malik Murphy, a very talented player, too. Let's hear Sark on Quinn's developments. He was asked about, you know, the, the offseason changing of his body, the haircut, um, you know, coming off of the Alamo Bowl and coming off maybe, you know, some disappointing games in the month of November last year. Uh, here was Sark talking about every player went through the exit interviews and what we needed to work on. Uh, and Quinn was just uh, one of those. And we've seen the, the improvement pretty dramatically here into mid-April. And, and give them things that, A, what are their strengths that we see? What are maybe some of the weaknesses that they have? And then what do they need to work on to improve on those weaknesses? And some of those things are on the field things. Some of those things are in the weight room. Some of those things are in the classroom, so on and so forth. And so when it was Quinn um, and we had the meeting and we had the dialogue and everybody got on the same page with, okay, what is the next steps going to look like for you? I think he dove right into it. And it started in January. I think that he, he really you know, devoted himself to the weight room. Obviously, you know, his diet, his nutrition, uh, his, his just overall understanding of the offense. And I think it shows he looked very comfortable today. And, um, you know, and that's not having a real like game plan going into the game. You know, you're just kind of running plays in a spring game. So the fact that I think he's going to be even more dialed in when we actually game plan and, and what we're trying to attack uh, to get after people, I think that he's going to be a more confident player. Uh, and one that I think is going to instill belief in his teammates and coaches and our entire organization that, hey, that's our guy, and, and he's going to make the plays when, when his number's called. Yeah, you combine what we talked about, Mike, in quarter one about the weapons to choose from, then you have a quarterback who has that ability to throw the football and push it down the field and make every throw. I mean, that's the thing. You know, it's one thing to have the weapons, but then you'll have sometimes a quarterback that can't make all the throws and, you know, can't make that, you know, cross two two hash mark throws and the deep outs and those things. There's not a throw Quinn can't make. Uh, and now you got receivers that can run all the routes. That makes it very tough on a defense because, uh, you know, obviously the one-on-one matchups, but at the same time, you got a special thrower of the football uh, that can make things happen. 
I don't think it's an accident that Steve Sarkeesian uses the word organization instead of program a lot. Yeah. Um, and if you're the quarterback of the University of Texas, you're a face of an organization, of a Fortune 500 organization that has 100,000 people in the stadium and millions of people watching and, and all the message boards and all the stuff that comes with it. That's hard to do when you're 18, 19 years old, right? And so uh, he's had a year to understand it, get comfortable with all that comes with that, get comfortable with the offense, get comfortable with the receivers around him. Um, and so for him, confidence should be at an all-time high. And talent-wise, he's got to do that. And so if, if he can get it right between the ears and know the system and know where to go with the football and protect the football better, there's not many things that should slow down Quinn Ewers. Agreed. Agreed. Let's hear it talk about Malik Murphy. He came in, and this is, I don't want to say pleasant surprise, we just didn't know. But uh, Malik Murphy played tremendous in this game. Uh, he, you know, if you didn't see the game, Quinn Ewers ran pretty much fully with the white team, and then they rotated on the orange team, Quinn Ewers and Arch Manning. And as you said earlier, when Arch Manning came on the field, it was a huge ovation. Malik Murphy didn't get much but a smattering when he ran onto the field as the backup quarterback, but Malik played tremendous. Let's see the uh, touchdown throw he threw to Jonte Cook on a video highlight. Uh, this was in the second half of the game. He had, on the previous throw, he had thrown one to DeAndre Moore, the freshman receiver out of uh, California, and he dropped it. I mean, just dropped it. Freshman player, uh, big crowd, maybe the first time he dropped the ball. They went right back on the next play and threw it to the uh, former DeSoto star, Jonte Cook, the true freshman, early enrollee. Wide receiver in the nation, according to ESPN. So it's second and ten again. Murphy heaving it down the field. This time it's caught by Jonte Cook, and he's off to the race. So there you go, Jonte Cook behind the defense, Mike. And uh, geez, Louise, uh, really impressive. The throw itself, a flick of the wrist again, uh, six five. I mean, and, and we could go through all the throws he made, his nine of his 14. He threw some swing routes where he was leading the, the backs out of the backfield perfectly, catching the ball in stride, the accuracy, the confidence. Let's hear Steve Sarkeesian uh, on the, uh, the quarterback, Malik Murphy, and uh, what we saw from him, the young, youngster out of California. I thought what I saw from Malik was when he really started to settle in, um, he has natural ability to pass the football. You know, and and he has a you know he's got great vision. Uh, when he pushes the ball down the field, uh, it feel it's natural. It's not like he has to force it or um, he's got a quick delivery and quick release. Um, and so, and I also think he, Malik's a really good leader. You know, he always brings a lot of positive energy every time he takes the field, which which I think is great. So uh, it it was awesome for us. You know, even this spring he wasn't able able to participate the first week you know we, we kind of had to hold him out and then had to not gradually work him back in so the idea that hopefully we can get him completely healthy going into training camp where he gets that foundation of the installation uh, I think the, the sky's the limit for the guy he, he's a really talented player uh, and I thought he showed today with with making some of the throws that he did yeah, sky's the limit. And I thought the same thing sitting there watching this game, Mike, that what you just said, I mean, it's not the conversation you want to have yet. I think in a perfect world, Quinn Ewers is the starter, Malik Murphy's the backup, Arch Manning red shirts this year, learns and absorbs, but continues to push both quarterbacks and brings that mindset. You know, he's coming from the parochial level of school in Louisiana. Um, you know, he's, gonna, he's got some things to learn. I think when he got on the field, the game looked really fast to him. And let's say when Arch did play, you know, he's playing against the one defense majority of the time. The, I know they split the teams up, but a lot of one starters on the uh, the white defense he was facing. And you could tell it looked pretty fast. It looked like there was a lot happening for him. And he didn't get a lot of time. He was playing behind, a, you know, not the starting offensive line as well. And so Arch looked like 
you know, he just got here in January and he's learning this offense, much like we saw Quinn last year, you know, learning this thing. And, of course, Quinn's a year ahead of him. Malik's a year ahead of him of absorbing the offense. That stands to reason. Uh, but, you know, gosh, that that's a very good problem to have. If you have three quarterbacks that one day may play on Sundays and play NFL football, that's a pretty good problem. Yeah, Arch looks like a guy that should be preparing for the prom. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, we expect so much from these guys. Like, they're supposed to just walk onto the 40 acres and just figure it out, you know. And so – uh, there's been really good football players that have redshirted as freshman Vince Young being one of them, right? And so uh, they don't have to be in a hurry, and that's one of the reasons Arch Manning chose Texas is because he knew he could kind of sit and be ready, you know, get right, you know, sit out for a year and then play later. Had he gone to another school, maybe he starts right away, and that pressure and that clock starts. And so uh, I think having Quinn, having Malik, it's a good thing for Arch. He'll get to sit back and learn uh, and only play in a break glass emergency situation. Break glass, I like that. And uh, that would be ideal. And, you know, if, if the year goes as, as Texas fans would like it to go, uh, you know, Quinn, yours may be in the NFL draft next year. He's, you know, he's eligible for next April as a, you know, reclassifying his three years out of high school. You know, that's a that's a conversation for another day. But, you know, that would be a natural progression. And then the Malik Murphy conversation becomes real, you know, who stays, who goes, Where's where would this thing stand? Because they both look really talented. And again, it was a spring game. Not make too much about it, but they can really all three spin the football at a high level. Uh, you mentioned Vince Young. I was doing radio in the mornings here in Austin when fans wanted Vince Young moved to wide receiver. Oh, yeah. 12-0 to Oklahoma, we'll yeah. do that. When they got shut out in the Red River game, and hey, he's, he's never going to be a quarterback. He needs to be wide receiver. Make chance, mock our quarterback. We'll be fine. Be patient. Uh, it's it's and, and coming up in our halftime segment, our digital producer, Nolan Hogan, will get us some of the national narrative thoughts that are going on out there and on the message boards, which we know is going to be there. Let's tap the brakes on that. Real quick, though, to wrap up our second quarter here on the Eyes on Texas multicast, uh, Aaron Hogan, Mike Craven. Let's hear the uh, – the Sark final cut on the quarterbacks, and this is interesting. He was asked, what's the pecking order? Where does this thing stand right now? Here was the head coach. The beauty of it is I don't have to establish a pecking order right now. That's the beauty of it. We have – I have another 29 practices to go in fall camp. Um, I think to be fair to all these guys, you know, like Malik, that was his first spring that he ever had. I, he didn't get spring a year ago, and of that he missed – the first about five practices before he really was able to go in team drills. So what does that look like moving forward? Arch, those are his first 15 practices of his life in college. So sometimes, you know, we can rush to judgment on where guys are at. I think it's pretty clear to say, you know, Quinn's our starting quarterback, and we feel very good about that. Um, but I don't ever want to take the stinger of these other guys that they're not competing for something, that they're not striving for something, because they're all talented players. They're great teammates with one another. And um, I think they all appreciate how hard each of them work. And I think we're in a very fortunate position to have three quality guys in that room that, that work the way that they do. That's funny and uh, interesting thoughts. Don't have to make it now. Keep pushing. Keep that stinger going, guys, and keep pushing. And I think that can be a great thing, Mike, because I do think there's – Quinn yours is – you know, he can he can take a, be a little casual sometimes, right? He can be that guy. Uh, Malik Murphy, as you heard Sark say, he, showed, he is a natural leader. He's not going to back down. He sees this as a challenge. We know Arch Manning is a gym rat and a worker. Uh, even though his last name is Manning, that guy brings the lunch pail every single day. That can only push Quinn yours. That can only reach help Quinn yours reach his ceiling because what he did from January to now – to improve and improve his body and get the haircut and be the face of a Fortune 500 company, that's got to continue. That's got to continue through the summer because now, unlike last year, where he was in a competition with Hudson Card and Roshan Johnson and Bijan Robinson and DeMarvion Overshone were the really the leaders of the football team, 
he gets to lead this team into the summer. You just heard the coach say it. You know, Quinn's our starting quarterback. He gets to lead this team into the offseason. Does he take the reins and uh, and push it that direction? Because the, the as talented as the offense is, it needs a face. It needs a leader. And, it, and you go to Quinn and you go, look, I mean, the reason that you reclassified was to start the NFL clock early. Yes, sir. And, and if you feel like you're that guy, and you're going to go play professional football, and this is going to be your job. Well, you're going to have to beat out two freshmen, and that's what Malik Murphy is. That's what Arch Manning is. And so, uh, I do think it's a good bit. Like it's a good carrot to put in front of them. It's, it's a good way to push them. And you want competition. You can't tell the middle linebackers that they're in a competition if you admit that the quarterbacks aren't. You know, and so you doing that as much for the team as you are for the quarterback position. Uh, but if you're Quinn, you have to know that this is your team, this is your roster, and you need to go into the summer believing that to be so. And, and Texas will be better off if he takes some of that ownership. Well, and this is always a, from the player perspective. You know, we can say in the media and on our podcast and multicast that he needs to be the leader. The players need to believe he's the leader. The right. players and, and the players know he's their guy, right? Yeah. The players understand yeah, they're at the practice. pecking order they're is. They're at practice. They know they get it. right. And Quinn's the man right now. And, you know, Malik and Arch are going to be there. That's a good problem for Texas. That's going to wrap up our second quarter. Uh, good stuff right there on the quarterbacks and uh, rolling in. Our digital producer is Nolan Hogan. He's been playing the highlights and playing the audio. And, Nolan, you were searching and surfing the web for some uh, some interesting thoughts on the national narrative and maybe some of the message board narratives about the spring game and specifically the quarterbacks. Well, nationally, all I really had to look up was Arch Manning, Quinn Ewers on Google, and the first five articles are Arch Manning gets outplayed by Quinn Ewers, maybe QB number three for Texas. That's from the Washington Post. <laughs> Fox, Fox Sports says, while Arch Manning draws the buzz, Quinn Ewers steals the show at Texas spring game. From USA Today, Longhorns, Steve Sarkeesian, Quinn Ewers, not Arch Manning, is starting te- is the starting quarterback at Texas. And from Bleacher Report, Texas Quinn Ewers, pretty clear starting QB over Arch Manning. Nowhere in that conversation is Malik Murphy. Well, do y'all understand what SEO is? Uh-uh. Like search engine oper- like it's like what what pops up on Google for searches and things of that nature. And like they're using Quinn Ewers and Arch Manning because those are search more. Yeah. You know, and so that's why those are all in the title that way and why you don't oh, see Millie Murphy's that name. specific narratives right? and, yeah. and yeah. title headlines, no doubt about it. And my, I think my favorite one is, you know, Arch Manning chose Texas over Georgia and Alabama. And I saw somebody post something where Alabama fans mm-hmm. before, hey, somebody posted something on a message board. Hey, Alabama fans, what would you give to get Arch Manning to Alabama? And mm-hmm. it was this list of, you know, my firstborn, my, you know, left testicle, whatever it might be. And now the same message board's got – Arch sucks. Look, this guy we dodged a bullet. We didn't yeah. need him. He's terrible. Uh, this is what we do. This is what we do. And we being silly fans, uh, Arch Manning's going to be fine. I even saw on Pardon the Interruption today on a Monday, they actually had a, you know how they do their little you know, gr- you know Jenga grid, mm-hmm. and they had a surprise that out Quinn yours outplayed Arch Manning so 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 badly and it's like what what who who's co- what are you covering uh and you know Michael Wilbon and, and Tony Kornheiser the way they wrote it were you surprised I mean we just assume Arch is going to walk in there and you know be the savior and take the job Quinn yours didn't play very good last year uh he was a freshman uh but either way I that's going to be ongoing he is Arch Manning it is a uh you know, it's a deity name in football, without a doubt, with his uncles and his grandfather. You expect that, but at the same time, you also expect irrational comments and irrational things, even from the national media, yeah. uh, because that's where they at. Thank you, Nolan. Appreciate that. Got to make that, that money. Yeah, huh? What's that? Got to make that money. Got to get, get those clicks. Got to yeah. get clicks, baby. Hey, I'm in the click business. I we're understand. All, we're all <laughs> click for farming. Uh, we're, Nolan, when we put out our tweets this week, make sure we're putting out 
Buzzwords. Sarker Arch. You know, Quinter Arch. What are all, we doing? All the buzzwords. All the buzzwords. But then and you check the Longhorn message boards, it's about Malik Murphy. Yeah. Oh, is Malik going to win this job? Is he going to beat? You know, where are we going to be better? Uh, because the backup quarterback is always the most popular player. Maybe we should drop a poll on our Twitter. I'll drop a poll. We'll do the. We'll get the poll running as we get this thing going. That's going to be our halftime. And remember, when we get to the football season, uh, we're going to have a very special halftime. It'll be. Uh, it'll be. We'll have a partner that helps us with it. But we're going to be uh, interviewing and talking to a, a lifetime Longhorn. You know, speaking of pardon the interruption, uh, we're going to do five good minutes with a with a lifetime Longhorn. Kind of a where are they now, week to week. So we're excited about that. Also, we'll keep you posted on where the Longhorns are landing in the National Football League and how they're performing. That'll be part of our halftime. And Nolan will always chime in with some good digital content uh, on our halftime segment. So looking forward to that. Let's dive into our third quarter. Again, we're talking orange white spring game here on the. Uh, uh, the Eyes on Texas pod and the multicast. Uh, it is part of the Republic of Football Podcast Network at Dave Campbell's Texas Football. Please share us through your socials, YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, that's how you can always find us right there. Tell a friend if you're enjoying what you're hearing. And let's dive into our third quarter. And this one's going to flip a little bit. We're going to talk lines of scrimmage, the trenches, because, yeah, we talked a lot about toys and fancy and quarterbacks and speed and all those things. But uh, it's football still, even in 2023, won and lost on the offensive and defensive line. Uh, let's hear uh, Sark talking about the offensive line. Uh, what did we see? Of course, every starter is back when they're healthy, Mike. Every starter comes back. I think we can sit here and say that, you know, left tackle, right tackle, and center are pretty established when you're talking about Kelvin Banks, the sensational sophomore who was so great as a freshman. Christian uh, Jones returns for a, a super senior year at right tackle. Jake Majors, the established starter at center. But here's Sark on what we saw from the younger guys and the competition behind and on the rest of that offensive line. We did not you know, it wasn't great not having Cole Hudson out there and Connor Robertson, but it created opportunity for DJ Campbell. It created opportunity for Cam Williams. You know, we moved Hayden Connor around some this spring, and that gave NATO an opportunity. He played starting left guard for us, you know, this past week and today and played really well. So I feel very comfortable with kind of where we're at up front. Uh, we have to keep getting better and keep improving and finding that cohesiveness. But, um, you know, we have enough versatility and guys who can play multiple positions, but also the fact that, you know, if a guy goes down, the next guy up, whoever that is, in whatever order that falls, who are the top five and who are the next guys after them, that they're going to be physical enough to play football at a high level and confident enough. All right. So, Mike, what were your takeaways from the offensive line, if you could have any? If you go around the state, as I've done this last month, the the thing that most college coaches will tell you, if they have five offensive linemen they believe in, that's great. If they have six, that's incredible. If they have seven, they're about to go win a conference championship. Texas feels like they have nine. Yeah. You know, like nobody has a real too deep on the offensive line. Like your backup right tackle is also your backup left tackle. You usually your back, you know, you want three tackles, three guards, two centers. That's that's the ideal offensive line. Texas has that and maybe more. And so uh, DJ Campbell playing guard, Cam Williams playing guard, who's a big, big body. I mean, that's a he, big man. He's a monster of big a man. Kid. Uh, if so, right, <laughs> exactly. Um, and so, yeah, can't even drink yet. Um, and so for me, it's been a long time. Like, I honestly didn't even pay attention to the offensive line that much because they just seem like a sure thing. Like, they're just that good of a unit. Uh, it's amazing how far that has come from the team that couldn't play a spring game when Sark first got here because they didn't have enough offensive linemen. Even last year, they had a hard time with it. Uh, they did this time around, played a competitive game, and uh, I think you're right about eight, nine deep. Uh, Got to stay healthy up there, but man, uh, that is a luxury because last year, they were a young line, right? You had a freshman at left tackle. You had young guys on the line. Christian Jones was 
absorbing the coaching from Kyle Flood and improving. Uh, but last year they benefited from having two of the best running backs in the country. Both are going to maybe start in the National Football League this year, uh, come come uh, the draft next week and into the next season. And you had B. John Robinson, who forced more missed tackles than any running back. You had Roshan Johnson, who was the number one, according to Pro Football Focus, in broken tackles last year. Uh, those dudes made up for some spotty offensive line play at times. Well, now the offensive line's a year improved. They're all back, plus depth behind them. And now we talk about all the weapons, right? If you've got you know four or five great weapons on the outside, well, you, you can't bring extra guys into the box. It's going to be individual blocks, and you should be able to have create running lanes even with, with lesser running backs. And nothing against Jonathan Brooks, but he's not B. John Robinson. He's not sure. Roshan Johnson, and none of these running backs are. But the running game could be as effective or as productive because the passing game is so dynamic. Uh, defenses can't commit enough to the run game. The offensive line should be able to control that line of scrimmage. Yeah, I mean, give me a great offensive line and a good running back over a great running back and a good offensive line any day of the week. You know, Texas lost five games last year, and none of them had Bajon Robinson on the opposing roster, right? So you can win football games without elite running back play. Uh, in my opinion, they have a chance to be as productive, if not more productive, running the football for everything that you just said. Uh, and they don't have to be, right? If the passing game is everything that we think it's going to be, and the offensive line is as good as we think it's going to be, those running backs don't have to be great. They just have to be good. Well, think about that Alabama offensive line we referenced in 2019 under the direction of Steve Sarkeesian. Najee, Najee Harris was the running back. I mean, we forget that, but because Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddell and all these great first-round wide receivers, Henry Ruggs, uh, just so dynamic. But Najee Harris was a really good player. Um, he's in the NFL as well. Uh, that's that's a special offense back in 2019. Can this one be anything close to that? We're going to find out coming up. As we roll on in our third quarter, let's get some defensive impressions. And, you know, we know going into the spring, Sark said the number one goal of the offensive improvement was passing game and being more coordinated and in sync in their passing game. I think we've talked about that and seen that in our highlights. What about the defensive side of the ball? Uh, pulled this from our friends at KVU24. This is some audio with Jalen Ford. Jalen Ford, gosh, I was surprised to see him out there in late in the fourth quarter, 41, and still out there making tackles in the heat on Saturday. He is the, the heart of this Texas defense in the middle. Uh, probably should have been the conference's defensive player of the year last year with all the impact plays he made at linebacker, the interceptions, force fumbles. But he was asked about a guy who lined up next to him, well, on the other side, on the other side, on the other team, but has, will likely line up next to him come the fall, and that is the freshman, Anthony Hill Jr., five-star commit out of DeSoto, number one linebacker in the country for a lot of people. Here was uh, the, the veteran, Jalen Ford, talking about what he saw from uh, – the young linebacker who is is going to be playing next to him come the fall. Uh, I thought Anthony had a pretty good day. Um, he was on opposite team, so I didn't want to you know celebrate him too much. But uh, I thought you know he uh, Choke did a great job of just letting him kind of play out there today. Felt like I saw Anthony Hill a lot today, which is a positive. I know he played multiple positions. Uh, he was off the edge. He kind of blitzed through the middle, just um, for him just to you know kind of get a feel for playing off the ball and edge. So I thought he did a pretty good job today. Uh, he carried himself well. Uh, he had a lot of reps, so I thought that was pretty big for him, too, just to get his feet wet. Um, and honestly, uh, I'm really excited for how far he's come since he's been here and the potential he has to you know, continue his growth uh, into next season. 
like the guys that don't take their pads off for the press conference. Uh, and then another guy in Anthony Hill Jr. who should be preparing for the prom, right? I mean, there's a yeah. lot of those guys here who should be seniors in high school, and a lot of them were on display. Cedric Baxter, C.J. Baxter scored a touchdown. Arch Manning, Jontae Cook caught a touchdown. Anthony Hill Jr. And I really like what they're doing with him, you know, letting him just play downhill. They just let his athleticism show, let Jalen kind of run the show at linebacker, um, coverages and whatnot. They'll, you'll get there, but early to build confidence in a young player, if, if rushing the passer and just being a natural ball attacker is what you do, let him do it. And I thought we saw him do that quite a bit on Saturday. Yeah, free him up. You know, I mean, he's he's an athletic specimen. And he, he's not going to know how to do everything right away. No. You're not going to show up, you know, in your first two months of college and, and know how to play off the ball and know how to read this and know how to read that. Uh, but you can't come off the edge and just go chase the ball. You know, like that's that's something you can do. And so uh, this, is, this is one of the things I like about this Texas football staff is it doesn't have to be perfect. But we can figure out a way for you to go create havoc. And that, that's all you can ask for. And that's all you want. And Texas needs one of those guys. They do, without a doubt. And, uh, again, the quarterbacks were not live, so there were no sacks. There were could have been some sacks that maybe weren't whistled <laughs> by the officials. And, sure. So we don't know. Uh, but Anthony Hill, you know, last year at LSU, a guy named Harold Perkins. Mm-hmm. Just they Harold, sick ball. And yep. he was he was a first-team All-SEC player last year. Just unbelievable as a true freshman. And uh, not asking him to do too much, but just wreak havoc. And I don't know if that's going to be the role for Anthony Hill. But let's hear Sark, bigger picture, on Anthony Hill. But also, you know, the, the six weeks of, of spring, is the pass rush improved? Not just from what we saw on Saturday, but what you saw throughout the course of 15 practices. The pass rush. Yeah, I did. You know, again, it's hard when you have to split those guys up because I think we have some good packages now um, that where we can get people on the field in certain combinations and they can be very disruptive. And, and you can count on certain guys that are nowhere penetrator types that can affect the quarterback and other guys that can clean things up. Uh, I think our linebackers are, are good rushers as well. So all in all, I, I feel good about it. Um, is there potential we may add a guy here or there? We'll see. Nobody knows the portal open today, so I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, but the reality of it is the, the, the roster we have up there up front, I feel good about. All right. Uh, so, yes, uh, but, again, uh, they're going to continue to look and add. Well, here we go. Some breaking news that has come down today. Uh, the Longhorns have added Trill Carter, great name, out of Minnesota. Uh, played three, four years for the Gophers and P.J. Fleck. He's six foot uh, two. He's 300 pounds. Uh, he's from Leesburg, Georgia, but was playing at Minnesota. He was a big recruit out of high school and ended up going to uh, to Minnesota. And uh, he has committed to Texas in the transfer portal. He was at the game on Saturday, saw the big crowd, and uh, you know he's going to be coming to, to add another piece in that rotation at defense. You just heard, heard Sark say it. We may look to add some more. Same time, you know that happens on on the Monday after the game. Yeah, he started twenty three of the last twenty four games Minnesota played since twenty twenty one. Uh, he's not going to be a big pass rusher. He's not going to put up a lot of stats, but he's somebody that can take up blocks and allow other guys to go do that. You know, Texas lost Keandre Coburn, Moro Ojimo. Um, they need some bodies in, in the front. Now you have a real rotation there, Sadir Mitchell uh, coming on uh, also to provide depth. So you know, Texas is going to be strong interior again, and it feels like that's something that Pete Kwiatkowski really wants out of his defense. Agreed, and I, and I, I noted in, in my notes – Sadir Mitchell showed up yeah, wearing number 99. He's, he's, he's a good. big body. He's going to be good. We know that out of, out of uh, Bergen, New Jersey. Uh, really impressive-looking player. And, again, none of these guys are going to play more than 20, 25 snaps in the game. But Tavondre Sweat's return. Byron Murphy is really the, the the main guy in the middle. Alfred Collins, Vernon Broughton. And now you add a Trill Carter. You add a Sadir Mitchell to that. 
Um, this can be a great rotation, and obviously the edges is what they're they're looking for. I wouldn't be surprised to see the Longhorns attack edge in the portal as well here as between now. Because, again, on Saturday was the spring game, but Saturday also the portal opened. Yeah. And, uh, you know, a lot of guys yeah. all over the country are going to be not happy with whatever went on in the spring and uh, or just looking for a different spot. And uh, like Trill Carter, he's coming to Texas. So that happened just today. Trill Carter, defensive tackle, Minnesota now committing to the Texas Longhorns on the defensive side of the ball. That's going to wrap up our third quarter, trenches and tent trench conversation. Let's dive into our fourth quarter. And this is kind of a bigger picture overview. You know, We were going to mention Trill Carter from Minnesota as an addition in the recruiting realm. Um, obviously, the portal will be interesting here. Sark is going to have an exit interview with every player. I know I, we've already got four Longhorns in the portal, Mike. Uh, mm-hmm. That you know I've had, are, are entering: Derek Brown, a pass rusher; Jaden Alexis, at wide receiver. He's in the portal. Um, Travell uh, Johnson, Travell Johnson, a, a, another linebacker. He's in. And these are guys we're probably not going to do much cracking the depth chart this year, and they kind of realize that. Let's jump in the portal. Now, Jaden Alexis actually entered the portal on Saturday and played in the game mm-hmm. and caught a pass. Got to get that tape out, guys. Yeah. <laughs> when I give Sarkin the staff credit, apparently he's been a great teammate to everybody. Uh, he just wants – he sees where the depth chart is. Because that's what the portal's for. Yeah. Like, all of these – the coaches won't begrudge you if you go get a better opportunity and go play football, right? Like, Sark's leaving jobs to go get better jobs. Like, we all get that. It's when guys leave and they hadn't even given it a chance yet or they leave for more money or they leave for whatever. Uh, but if you're just leaving – I mean, you only get to play college football once. Yeah. You yeah. know, and, and most of us don't get to do that at all. And so, uh, you know, for most of these guys, this is the end of the road. And so you want to go play some football somewhere, you know, help them get in the portal, help them get them some tape and, and find them a new home. I think that's a good thing. And for Texas, you won't, you want to trim the fat. You just do. Natural you attrition need, is probably a good thing. You need you need days. those spots open to go get an impact pass rusher, to go get whatever hole uh, you feel is necessary, another linebacker to play off the ball. Whatever you feel is a deficiency coming out of spring, you need those guys to leave in order for you to go get the new ones. Yeah, you only have a, a certain amount of scholarships year by year, and 85 total. And uh, Brennan Thompson, uh, the speedster out of Spearman, is also into the transfer portal, which – Excuse me. Surprised some people. Were you surprised to see Brendan jump in there? Brendan participate in the spring. He ran track. He can also see that uh, this wide receiver room is. Right. I was about. I mean, you see Jonte Cook, and you go, "Oh, this isn't for me." Yeah. You know, like he's taking my spot. Especially if you're not going to be around the spring. That's the harsh reality of what football is now. You know, like. I, I'm a big fan of people doing what they want to do and go playing baseball, like that Central Florida quarterback who you know, was playing center field and then came and played the spring game. Like Those are awesome stories, but if you're not a star, it's hard to get on the field, and, and Texas is going to recruit over you. That's their job. Their job is to bring in better players. Your job is to get better. And uh, you know, if he feels like the writing's on the wall that he's not going to get many snaps, then you, know, you go and do it. Yeah, no doubt. In our fourth quarter, let's also hear Sark big picture. What did he really take away from the game and the spring? Uh, obviously, there's there's micro conversations and there's macro. Uh, macro, this is something we talked about at the very beginning. What we talked about on our first episode, uh, back in episode one of the Eyes on Texas podcast. It feels like the deepest Texas team in a long time. Uh, they're they're deep in a lot of positions here. Sark talking about the depth, which he believes is a real key for the Longhorns headed into the off season now. I think the biggest thing we found out about our team is I think we have really good depth on this team. Um, you know, you can you can go position by position, and I feel very comfortable if the if the starter isn't in, the backup doesn't look much different. And I, I don't know, you know, I, we haven't been in that space here my first couple years. We've we've been in a space where maybe one position was that way, but at another position it was like, man, if so and so goes down, we're in real trouble. Uh, today I kind of feel like. If so-and-so goes down a position, which we never want them to, you know, 
the next guy going in, we all feel very comfortable with. And I think that part for me was the thing that I got out of spring balls that we have a, we have depth on this team now to where um, we have a very solid two deep and at some positions three deep where we're very comfortable with the players that we have. A lot of depth, and we'll uh, hear Sark coming up before we wrap this thing up in our fourth quarter in our episode six of the Eyes on Texas multicast, recapping the Texas spring game with highlights and Coach Sark comments. Also heard from Jalen Ford here. But, Mike, uh, you know, one of the things I love about our multicast and the content people are going to get is your your eye because you're not just looking at Texas. You're driving around, and you're going to other campuses, so you're seeing other teams. Uh, something you said to me in our in our pregame here was, you know, you were at the A&M. You did you do an A and M podcast for the network as well, and you know you're going to be down there this week. And the spring game was this weekend. Uh, you know they've got some holes, they've got some some obvious spots where man, this is going to be a struggle for them. It's really tough to find that at Texas. I'm sure every school you see, the coach is saying, "Yeah, we're we're a little bit thin here. We're not sure about this spot." Uh, this Texas team feels like at every position they feel pretty good. I mean, Jimbo's going into his sixth year, and they had to do all time offensive line because they only had seven guys that are healthy up there, right? And Texas is able to split squad going into year three for Sark. And so, you know, you look at A&M roster and they're going to have to figure out offensive tackle. They're going to have to figure out linebacker. There's some there's some spots where you go, uh, well, that's not good enough yet, right? Uh, but for Texas, to Sark's point, I don't know what that spot is. Maybe we get to October and this isn't true. Like the cornerbacks disappoint or the wide receivers don't live up to expectations or the running backs maybe, you know, don't don't live up to the hype behind that offensive line. But on paper, you can't just isolate a spot and go, that's what's going to cost Texas this year. It does feel like one of those years where Texas can go as far as Texas takes itself. Yeah. I mean, I know at this point last year we were talking about uh, you know, a young offensive line, a lot of question right. marks. What about quarterback? Who's it going to be? Uh, you know, w- what does it look like at defense? Defense was coming off an historically bad season and actually outperformed. So, yes, I, I, I th- this is why there's so much confidence. It leads to the obvious question. And last question to wrap up spring practice and spring coverage is – how good can they be? Yeah. Uh, Sark was asked that question uh, on Saturday after the game. Uh, white team won it 21 to 10, and Sark was asked, you know, Coach, how good are you? I, I like, we're, we're talented. Um, I think that we're together. And that's, to me, is more, is more and more important than the talent. The fact that I think that the, the connectivity on this team, the culture that, that these guys have created with each other, um, they have a lot of fun with one another. It's the first time today. Uh, I came into the team meeting and uh, they were all singing a song together. Two years ago, you could have heard a church mouse in here when I walked into a team room. And now they're actually having a lot of fun being a team with one another and appreciating the work that each of them are doing. Um, And that comes from love. And the fact that that's where we're at as a team, that's going to help us overcome the adversity we're going to get faced with in the fall. But I definitely think we're talented enough. Uh, Now we we just got to keep putting in the work and make sure we understand the whys of the things that we're doing and put ourselves in a a position of where we're ready to go compete and compete at a high level with a full allotment of of our 85 scholarships. I feel like that answer just described why Texas blew so many second-half leads. You just answered what the problem was for Texas those those first couple of years is stuff's going to get hard. And when stuff gets hard, it's like military. You know, we look at football like a military game because it's similar in that way where you're starting to fight for your brother next to you, right? Like it's just about survival and getting to the next thing and winning for that guy next to you. Texas didn't have that. Texas hadn't had that in a while. And when you're not very good and you lack confidence, it's hard to be excited and have fun. 
that sounds like a team that knows, that looks around and goes, man, guys, we're pretty good, and they're loose about it. That's a good sign. Well, and almost all of them have been brought in under this coaching staff. Yeah. They've kept continuity in the staff. They've only changed out running back coach and wide receiver coach twice, um, both because the coach left. Andre Coleman was let go in the first year, but uh, Brennan Marion took an offensive coordinator job. But they've kept the continuity, which has been a problem here, without a doubt, coordinator and head coach continuity. Uh, you know, Sark has you know, brought in his bodies. I know uh, last week the, the the Pivot podcast that's so popular with Ryan Clark and those guys, you know, Sark was on there saying, this looks like my team. This mm-hmm. looks like the team I – because let's be honest, when Sark got here, Tom Herman liked leaner, smaller offensive linemen, like kind of lighter and bigger, you know, not as speedy receivers. Well, that's not a Sark team. Sark likes big humans and fast guys on the outside. He wants to be big and then fast. Uh, so that took a while. And let's be clear, year one when they went five and seven, unacceptable. Um, it wasn't a Sark team, and I don't think Sark liked the team that much, and I don't think the team liked the coaching staff that much. We remember the Bo Davis rant at the Iowa State game uh, that needed to be said and needed to happen. Last year we saw big strides and three three more wins, but still, as you said, fourth-quarter losses and games they could have and should have won at times. Uh, that comes from kind of learning how to win and learning how to be a team. And uh, as you said, the love. I mean, how many times do you hear a coach talk about love? Uh, you know, on that same Pivot podcast, we heard Sark talk about you know, he feels like he has an open door to every player and he they can come talk to me about anything. And Sark can use his own experience and his own challenges to deal with them. And, and then, you know, you hear that from a coach and it's okay, well, that's coach speak. Well, last week on our morning show, we had more Ojimo come in, uh, the fifth year senior is going to go off the NFL draft. And we asked him about that. And he said, oh, it's absolutely true. It's absolutely true. Sark's a genius with his being vulnerable, vulnerable, willing. You know, Some coaches say, I have an open door, but you really don't want to go through that door. Uh, <laughs> Morrow was really eloquent saying, you know, no, we we feel like we can talk to coach about anything. And that I think that per- permeates through the whole staff. The, the, the staff and its continuity is getting to this team. And the, the players start to sound like Sark and the coaches sound like Sark. And, you know, this is the special sauce. This is why Texas fans, I think, can get, get excited. The talent and the depth is there. But the teams that win are the ones that are connected, are the ones that are playing for one another, as you said, Mike. You've been around it. Uh, it can go a long way uh, when guys are, are playing for the ne- guy next to them. Oh, and they're pretty talented. And they're having fun. Yeah. Hey, this is a fun thing. Like I, I know we strangle it to death and make it not fun, but it's supposed to be fun. And so if those guys are having a good time, they're going to work out harder. They're going to play better. They're going to be looser. They're going to make fewer mistakes. And when they make mistakes, they're going to be able to bounce back from them and not point figure fingers and be able to pick each other up. You know, the best teams are that across, not even in sports, right? Like in workplace and everywhere that you've ever been. Elite teams. Right. That's what teams do. And Texas feels more like a team than they have in a long time. Yeah. Talent and team and connected. A lot to like out of the spring. We're going to have to do an episode where we talk about like what could go wrong. Cause I feel like I know. we've been doing this for six weeks now and we've been way too, we've way too, like the cooler. cynical well, brain in me is like, well, we need some negative. Yeah. We're going to well, have to balance this, this out I a little just bit. Say, you know, 23, 24 years of morning radio here in town. I, it's been a rough 12 years doing a show every single morning for all that time. There's been some crappy teams, right? There's, yeah. there, there's been plenty of negative. So, yeah. yes, it probably seems like a heaping uh, dose of, of uh, positivity and ice cream and burnt orange Kool-Aid and all of that. But at the same time, I think hopefully what you'll, you'll get out of this multicast is we're going to be candid about it. We're going to talk about it real. But that's the real opinion. That's yeah. the, There's a lot. Going to practices like you did, going to games. This team has a lot of talent. They've added a lot of pieces. And, you know, to hear Sark say we're connected, but then to hear a player who's not even going to be on this team, more Ojimo, back it up and say, no, no, Sark's a genius. 
with the way he connects with his players. It's a communication first relationship. You know, those aren't, that's not fake. That's real. And Sark, but let's be fair about it. You want to put some, put some vinegar in it. Let's talk about Sark, right? We talked about it last week. Yeah. Uh, if you go back and watch episode five of our multicast, there's a, a ranking of big 12 coaches. Sark was ranked 10th out of 14. And that's kind of where he belongs right now. He's eight and five. He's five and seven. You know, we know at USC and his Washington head coaching resume, you know, that's not as good as a Mike Gundy. That's not as good as Dave Aranda. That's not as good as what, you know, Chris Kleiman has put on the board at K-State. Um, you know, these guys have won. Sark's got to win. Yep. Sark's got to win. It's what it comes down to. That's why on our morning show, and I think here we call it the no, no excuses year. There really aren't any reasons why Texas shouldn't be playing for and, and playing to win a Big 12 championship in their final year in the Big 12. I mean, we watched TCU go 12-0 and and play for a national championship last year, and that was a very talented team. Uh, it's not as talented as this Texas team. And so, you know, talent – and that's never the thing for Texas. Like, that doesn't mean that Texas is going to go 12-0. and Nope. They just have the talent to do so, and that's up to them to see how close they can get to fulfilling that. Yep, and uh, the players got to take the lead. We saw that when, in the in the best years with Vince Young, right? It was Vince Young leading the offseason, leading the summer, uh, demanding the 6 a.m. workouts. That led to back-to-back Rose Bowls and a national championship. Does this team have that in it? I think over the next two, three years, if they're on this track, I think they're back into that conversation. But, you know, five and seven, eight and five is what it is over the last two years. you got to be better than that uh, this coming season and a lot to be optimistic about coming out of the spring. And uh, to wrap up our spring coverage and episode six here in our fourth quarter, uh, let's just say no injuries, no significant injuries. That's probably the biggest headline of all of it. Yeah. Uh, talking about choking it to, to, to death, Mike. I mean, there nobody got hurt. They, they, they're not going to be able to participate into the summer and participate next fall. Let's hope that continues to be the case for the Longhorns. Sark did say they're going to have them for one more week with some weight training and kind of bite it, body diagnostics to see where they are. And then they're going to give them some time off to do finals, wrap up the semester, play school as they have to do. They still have to at Texas. And uh, then they're going to be off until Memorial Day uh, to, you know, decompress. Sark said we had our bowl game practice, then we came back in early January for winter workouts, and so we've been working them pretty hard. They've earned the right to take you know four or five weeks off uh, and you know keep their workouts going, but we'll, we'll regather at Memorial Day, he said, and then we go nine straight weeks in the summer with their summer workouts, and then that will lead into Big 12 Media Days, and that will lead right into fall camp in August. The next time the Longhorns will be on the field at DKR, like we got to see them last Saturday, is uh, 138 days from now. They'll play the Rice Owls on September 2nd, and uh, a lot to be optimistic about, Mike, but at uh, the same time, it's got to continue, right? The, the the leaders of the team, the Quinn Ewers of the world, have to lead them into the summertime and continue this positivity that we're talking about right now and pick it up come August. For Every college coach and player I've ever talked to talks about the summer being the defining moments of what happens in a football season. Because the coaches aren't around, really. Right. And so we're going to find out, or we won't find out, but we'll see the results of it in the fall of like how far along this team is in that route. And that feels like the missing piece. You know, like that's the one, you know, we can kind of like look at the other stuff and figure out what it's going to be like and who's going to play that, but we don't know what that's going to look like. And so we'll find that out in the fall. But they've taken steps in two years to, to show that, you know, you should have belief that they're going to be able to pull that off if they have a couple guys, you know, raise that bar. All right. In coming uh, cast, cast, you know, episode seven and eight and beyond, we're hoping to interview and co- have conversations with all of the coaches in the state of Texas that are on the Longhorn schedule in 2023. So that would mean the Rice Owls and the Houston Cougars and the Baylor Bears and TCU, all those teams. Of course, the only two road trips the Longhorns take in 2023 out of the state of Texas will be to Alabama in week two and to uh, Ames, Iowa, and a trip to Iowa State for the final time. Uh, other than that, the other 10 games are all played here in the Lone Star State, and we will attempt over our next 
uh, eight, ten episodes to talk to all those coaches, find out how their springs went, uh, where is their depth, where are their holes, uh, what are the things the Longhorns need to be learning. We do want you to follow us on our social medias, of course, and send this out to your friends. Episode six is in the books. YouTube is at Dave Campbell's TF. Uh, also on the Horn uh, in Austin, the flagship, hornfm.com, the, the uh, Horn uh, YouTube page as well. Instagram is Eyes on Texas Pod on Instagram on the gram. Also Twitter at Eyes on Texas FB. Please retweet and repost and send out to your friends this this multicast if you can. If you enjoyed it, we certainly uh, hope you will do that. And remember, it is a a product of the Republic of Football Podcast Network on Dave Campbell's Texas Football. Also appreciate the Austin Radio Network here in Austin and the Horn for allowing us to broadcast here in the studio and bring you these great uh, highlights and, and sound here as we get this thing cranked up. That's going to wrap it up. Mike, any final thoughts as we bid adieu to the spring and look forward to the offseason? No, sir. Back on the road again tomorrow. Back on the road to Sam Houston, Texas yep. A&M, and Lubbock, right? And then Lubbock, yeah. yeah what a, a sightseeing tour you're going to be on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the prison, a lot of, lot, of good, station. a lot of good culinary options there in that, in that route. Well, maybe when you're up in Lubbock, you can scoot up there and find out what happened when those that dairy farm caught on fire and 20,000 cows were burned up. That was a horrible scene. That's, why, that's why your brisket's so expensive. God. <laughs> I think it was dairy. I think most of your milk and butter. But uh, either way, uh, good stuff. We appreciate Griffin Hogan, our uh, behind-the-scenes producer and editor. Also thanking uh, Nolan Hogan, uh, part of the team there, doing a great job with the digital production and all the audio and cuts. Uh, great stuff right there. That is episode number six. Also want to thank our, our underwriter, uh, our first underwriter. More to come, though. We're excited about some of the folks that are going to be coming online with us. But our man, Carlos, TheTexasMortgageGuy.com. That's TheTexasMortgageGuy.com. Or email Carlos at TheTexasMortgageGuy.com. That's how you'll find him. He's the best in the business. Great Longhorn fan. He's going to help you with your next mortgage or refi. He is tremendous. And that's going to do it live from Austin. Have a great uh, week. We'll do it again. Episode 7 coming your way. Uh, We appreciate it here on the Eyes on Texas pod and multicast.